Hey, what's up, crazy world? Time for episode number five. So, um, it's been a pretty uh, hectic week with work. Kind of busy over there trying to finish out the month, and then this week is the first week of the month, so it's, I don't know, two weeks that I hate about my job. But um, other than that, my mom, she got the results back on her scans. So we're dealing with that as it comes. And uh, my baby, her hand's getting better. So, you know, mixed week. Um, but a lot of good things happened this week too. So pretty exciting. Um, I guess I want to just start out with like the regular shout outs. So Graveyard Slaughter. Uh, the anthology that harkens back to like 80s VHS tape horror movies um, written by Colin Bunn and Kevin Hawkins or I'm sorry Kevin Watkins uh, it closed out today ten thousand and twenty seven dollars uh, six thousand to fund it so plenty of an extra four thousand there a lot of stretch goals unlocked cool stuff I'm pretty excited the book's supposed to be here in October, I think Halloween, actually. So that'll be a really cool surprise for me for later in the year when I forget. So, uh, I think I mentioned last time, Typewriter the movie. It only has 48 hours to go. It's um, an indie flick uh, for, like, you know, written and filmed here in Houston. Um, it's got 48 hours to go. They're at 11,000. Uh, and some change out of, I'm sorry, 11,261 out of 49,000. So I hope there's a big push, 48 hours to go, but we'll see what happens. Dynamo Azan, Protector of uh, Hermopolis. 64-page full-color graphic novel. It has 15 days to go, and it's at $3,376 out of 8,500. Um, I don't really know anything about this book other than I think it looks really cool. Um, it looks like the focus is kind of on the artwork. It seems like some sort of uh, like African protector. So I'm interested in the story and the character. We'll see how that all turns out. Like I said, 15 days to go. They need about 4500 more dollars, give or take. Um, and then the last one is Rise of the Goatman. It, uh, it's at $2,090 out of $39.36, so it's got 23 days to go, and this one is actually being published by Afterlight Comics, but a uh, very small publisher, so they need some assistance, I guess. Either way, the goal's not that high, just under $4,000, um, and they're already at just over $2,000, 23 days to go, I think we can make it, but please 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 jump on there this one particularly looks pretty awesome they have a full video trailer and uh, I'm pretty excited to see how that one turns out because that seems like an interesting story so um, let's see this week in review we got um, the McSauce podcast they did an awesome episode of uh, basically they were talking about like their favorite sitcoms their favorite sitcom moments things like that Mostly deals in like the late 80s sitcoms, but uh, and they end up spending quite a bit of time talking about and arguing over Golden Girls. Um, personally, 
I'm a fan. I think the writing on that show was great. I can't deny that. Um, I think it was a very progressive show. It was about, you know, older ladies. And that's just not a thing that TV likes to see much of. So, Golden Girls, I, I thought was pretty good. So, I would check out the rest of the episode, though. They talk about a lot of different sitcoms. Apparently, pretty big sitcom, guys. I really liked Ian Sharpley on this one. His uh, sarcasm and sense of comedy really jives well with me. He's a big fan of It's Always Sunny. So, it kind of makes sense. Um, and then the other podcast that really stood out to me this week was Experts on Expert, um, which is an armchair expert Thursday episode. They had Steve Madden on there. I don't know anything about the guy or the company or whatever else, except that he was in um, Wolf of Wall Street. The character was, at least, not the actual person. Um, but it was really cool to hear him interview on uh, Experts on Expert. Because, uh, one, he's an expert at something. And two, this is the first time I've ever heard, like, his side of the story and what was going on in Wolf of Wall Street. So, that's really cool. He seems to be a big fan of the movie. Um, he thought that they were very fair to him. And, uh, yeah, listen to the rest of the interview. That guy sounds, um, just like Jordan Belfort, who is also not in prison anymore. And he does a lot of, like, uh, you know, talks and lectures and just like interviews in general you know and uh so it's really cool to hear both of them talk because they actually kind of sound the same in a lot of ways um and their stories are just crazy like you got to hear this stuff it's uh next level you know okay so comic books we had this book come out called canto it came from uh, idw publishing and I really, honestly, going into it, I didn't know too much about it. Um, I did hear some guys Tuesday talking about it, and they were saying that this was supposed to come out, like, uh, probably, like, six months ago or something. And the book got shelved for whatever reason. So nobody really knows why they pushed it back, but it just released this past week. I went ahead and picked it up because the artwork's really cool, and I like the cover. It's kind of a kid's fairy tale action-adventure um kind of thing uh i guess sort of like lord of the rings without like all the extra you know um what makes the story really cool though is like it takes place in this uh land where there are like these robots and these rope but they they had hearts and so i guess really they're kind of creatures but uh before they're born and like self-aware their hearts are removed and replaced with the clock and when this clock runs out of time then that's it you expire you have an expiration date um and so they're slaves they do something i don't know dig up stuff or like i guess slave things i don't I actually now that i think about it i don't know what they did exactly there is a scene where they have a bag of coins of like not even really coins it was just like gold pieces so yeah maybe they're like working in a gold mine or something that's a good point i didn't even realize that um but anyway they're very clear that they're slaves um they have an ex they have a clock instead of a heart so they have an expiration date and um they're not really given any sense of identity um and they're basically not allowed to do anything so they make it clear that they're slaves and then the slaves themselves, they've started giving each other like these ribbons and stuff, or they'll give each other gifts. 
And so this is kind of how like the art is able to identify each character so that you aren't totally confused. Although I was still kind of confused sometimes because everybody looks exactly the same except for the male robot things have like a flat face on their chest. Whereas the female ones have like, it, it kind of like angles out a little bit. It, I don't know. You can barely notice it, but yeah, it's there. Like they identify genders and um you know they they're slaves and so anyway it was really cool um at one point you get a really cool like it could just be a poster um it's the main character i guess his name is kanto he's a one of the slaves and uh it's basically a full really cool perspective shot of him and then up in the top it says i am kanto so yeah that that can make like a great poster on its own anyway but the story's cool. Um, basically, at the end of the book, he decides he needs to go find this princess or something like that. And um, so he's setting off on his hero's journey. I mean, that's really what this book was, was giving you kind of the background of his world and what things are like for him and that he's a slave and all that. Now that they've set all that up at the end, you get basically the inciting event for his uh hero's journey so he's gonna go save a princess as we understand it at this point um so yeah it was a cool book i really like the art i wanted to sit down and read it with the kids because it is kind of specifically supposed to be a kids um fantasy adventure book i guess but uh i didn't really get a chance so maybe i'll report back on that later we'll see what happens and then um, the only other book that came out this week that I picked up, um, this was actually going to be the only book I picked up, but I grabbed that Kanto at the last minute. Anyway, um, yeah, so Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 40. This is the return of Ryan Perot and Daniele Di Nicolo. Um, it was awesome. I picked up two issues of it. I got the regular cover and the uh, foil white ranger holding the helmet so this book I, i've been pretty excited about it for a while i'm sure you've seen me post about it necessary evil it's it's everything i wanted it to be like i i don't know i know i said this last time about uh forever rangers but ryan perot is just that good of a writer like he gave me the perfect end there and this week he gave me the perfect beginning and so it's really awesome like i I guessed three out of like five of the five like major, um, I guess surprises. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and spoil it because you know what? Why not? So you see the White Ranger already in action. I had kind of predicted that, but I think we already knew that too. Um, but there are three new Rangers on the team. We have uh, Aisha or Aisha, Adam and Rocky in place of Jason, Trini, and Zach. So that was cool. The team's already working. You have those three plus uh, Billy and Kimberly, and Tommy is the White Ranger. Um, here's my one complaint about the book. I'll go ahead and get it out of the way. The Rangers don't change the way they look that much, but for some reason, Tommy's hair changes a lot. And it isn't confusing, but it's kind of weird. Like, Kimberly always looks the same. Billy always looks the same. Every artist does, like, every character the same. 
Even like Tommy's face and everything stays the same. But for some reason, Tommy's hair is drawn different. Sometimes it'll be like brown in a ponytail. Other times it'll be black in a ponytail. Um, Daniele seems to do him with the black hair, which is, I think, um, the final scene in Forever Rangers, he had brown hair, I believe. So that's my one, one complaint about the book is that they keep changing his hair. Like, I know he's in all these different series and he's a different character, whatever. I don't know. For some reason, Tommy's hair is like the only thing that changes from artist to artist. So that's my one complaint. Um... Yeah, so this book was really good. Uh, like I said, you have the three replacement rangers. So I had already kind of suspected that. And by kind of, I mean a lot suspected. Um, the White Ranger was already in action. Lord Zed was there. We kind of knew that because he did appear on, um, I think, the next cover he'll be on there. But they already revealed it like months ago. So we already kind of suspected he was going to be there because of that. Um... Let's see, we got um, a new villain because of Zed. I mean, Zed is a new villain, but he brings somebody else to the fight. And um, his words right before they introduce this character are uh, something along the lines of, I won't give them another hollow victory. If you can't win, then you change the rules of the game. And then we get introduced to a new villain. So... That's going to be really interesting. And then there's a big surprise at the end of the book that um, I think is really awesome and sets up the future. So, yeah, I mean, it was a really awesome book. I really enjoyed it. It was everything that we needed to get back into it. And uh, I guess the story in the book, well, I mean, they're kind of introducing everybody and everything. But um, in the book what you have is new rangers versus old rangers those that are skilled and those that aren't those that are trained and those that aren't and so the book really this book followed a lot of a certain theme um a lot of it had to do with teamwork and that's what they were kind of working toward the whole time is um you know building this teamwork having this teamwork being a team and so it actually kind of got me to thinking about um, my relationship with uh, Power Rangers. I mean, I guess since Power Rangers came back so hard with the comics and everything, this is something I've been thinking about, but um, this one really connected it for me. And I guess my basic question is, you know, why are Power Rangers so important to me? Why do they hold my attention? Why do they hold such a special place in my heart? And I think... The answer comes from a um, from teamwork. I think teamwork is the reason I love the Power Rangers so much. I think that the Power Rangers are a part of who I am. And there's kind of a long story that, that involves that, but I want to tell that story because I think it will reveal why I love the Power Rangers so much, why they're so important to me. So, when I was a kid... I used to love Power Rangers. Um, Ninja Turtles was right before Power Rangers, and that had a pretty big uh, influence on me as well. And I think that does tie into some of this. But for me, like Power Rangers is probably one of the most memorable eras of my life. And 
I think the reason is because I've always been the kind of person I kind of recognize things that I'm not so good at and things that I am pretty good at, you know, um, even more, I, I guess my, really like, um, I've always been very well, good at noticing like, or being able to tell whenever I'm not good at something and maybe like, I don't need to invest too much time in it because it might be a skill I'll never develop. So for me watching Power Rangers, I always thought it was awesome that there was a team. You know, again, Ninja Turtles had a team, but Power Rangers just, I don't know, it was everything that I needed to see at that time. And what I remember really truly recognizing about the Power Rangers from even at that point was that the team structure allows for each member to play a role. And therefore, you can have deficiencies. You don't always have to be the best at everything. You don't always have to be perfect at everything because the team around you can fill in those gaps you know um you always hear that you know a chain is only as strong as its weakest link and that's very true because a chain is a single straight line from one end to the other no matter what you do you're putting that same force on every link therefore yes a chain is only as strong as its weakest link but that doesn't apply to a team in no way do i see that as applying to a team because honestly, where, where the team is weakest, they're always going to have somebody there that's strong. And so you don't have a weakest link kind of situation because it's nonlinear. Your team can rotate and move and change and stack however they need to. If anything, I would look at them as like a triangle or a pyramid, a shape that, that really has exceptional strength from multiple directions, you know. And so even from a young age, I kind of recognize this team structure and that this is the, the, the true strength of a team is that everybody, the, the sum is greater than the parts. Because the way that you fill in those gaps, the way that you strengthen the team as a whole, it, it changes the dynamic completely. And so I think that Power Rangers, in a lot of ways, had a fundamental effect on how I view and how I understand teamwork. So, as I got a little bit older, um, probably around like 12, 13, I really got into um, Boy Scouts and this other program called Royal Rangers, which was basically Boy Scouts, but at the church that we attended. So, um, I really got involved in those organizations and the, the way that they kind of handled things, like everything's about teamwork. You're never alone. You always have a team, you know? And within those um, organizations, I quickly, not only did I excel at working as a member of a team, but I also excelled very quickly at leadership because, again, I recognized that, you know, like I was never really good at, I never really had a true strength at any single one thing, um, but I understood the basics of most things enough that I could help somebody else do that, that was talented at it. And so I think for me, moving into leadership is really what it, um, really embodies what I see a leader as somebody who they, they might be good at one or two things but at the end of the day they're probably more of a generalist to me a leader is somebody who they're not super strong at everything but they know how to leverage people's strengths into those positions and so I think I quickly moved up into leadership roles in those organizations because of that um, I got you know, I moved up so much that I eventually ended up going to summer camps for about four, three, four summers um, that were leader specific. 
In other words, I went there to learn about leadership and how to be a better leader and what it means to be a leader and what a leader does and how a leader leads through action. So this was, um, you know, in my probably the first half of my teenage years. Um, there was definitely more I could have done if I had stuck with it. But once I hit 16, it was time to work. So at that point in my life, I um, turned 16. I got my driver's license. I went and got me a job at Jack in the Box. And so I started working at Jack in the Box. And of course, restaurants, if you don't know, it's a team environment 100%. There's no way for any one person, even in a Jack in the Box or a McDonald's, one person cannot run the whole thing. You need at least two people. Because you got to take orders, you have to cook hamburgers, you have to fry all the fried stuff, french fries and tacos and all that. You have to be able to clean and wash dishes, you have to be able to take care of the money. Like, there's so many things. It requires at least two people to run and operate a store. So, and that's a small restaurant. Um, so, whenever I got in there, like, I was so slow, I was terrible at the fryer. They moved me up front. I was terrible at the, the drive-through because I couldn't understand what people were saying a lot of times. They put me up front. I wasn't that great at keeping the lobby clean and everything. But I stuck to it. I worked hard and um, I bonded with my co-workers enough that they were willing to help me out. So I never had to worry too much about not being great at those things. What did happen is leadership took notice of how I was able, even as an employee, to delegate some of my tasks off and so they moved me up to management and I got into um, I became a shift manager pretty quick I started running my shifts and we were on point because again I just understood how my team worked I didn't have to worry about only the fryer I always did better whenever I had multiple things because then I was always thinking about the thing I wasn't doing if that makes sense um, you know, and I think that's how my brain is wired. I think that's just a thing for me because I'm not good whenever like I'm doing the fryer, then I only focus on the fryer, right? The problem is there's a lot of downtime in fryer work. Like orders are coming in, but you're always like waiting on something to come out. So you have a basket for it. So then my brain would wander and I would get all out of it, you know, but whenever I was leading a team and I was like helping a position here and there and there and there and I was constantly moving around, I was always thinking about the things I wasn't doing because I didn't want to forget about them. And so it actually made me better at most positions overall. Um, but that's just how my brain is wired. So I've always been kind of a natural leader. After I left Jack in the Box, I went on to do, um, you know, management in a lot of other restaurants. Um, Pizza Hut was a big one. I did Fuddruckers for a while. Pretty much, if you have a favorite restaurant, I probably have worked there or more than likely managed there for some period of time. So, um, yeah. So, that kind of brings me back full circle to Power Rangers. I wholeheartedly believe that part of the reason I've always um, enjoyed and excelled at teamwork and team effort and leadership is because of power rangers if i hadn't enjoyed power rangers so much so much if i hadn't watched those episodes i think new episodes were on saturdays and i remember running home from the school bus every day of the week to try and catch like a rerun episode so i was watching power rangers like six seven days a week no problem and then uh the movie came out so i was probably watching that on sundays because i mean that was my religion at that point anyway so I had to go to church you know 
Um, but yeah, uh, so Power Rangers, I mean, my whole, whatever years those were, 93, I was probably like five, six years old until, honestly, I watched Power Rangers probably till I was 12. Um, I watched all the way through Lost Galaxy, uh, Power Rangers in Space. Um, but I don't remember a lot of details from those seasons, but I did keep up with it for quite a while. So my point is like, I loved Power Rangers then. I still love Power Rangers today. And the thing that really just, just tugs at my heart and makes me love this franchise so much, um, is the teamwork. Those lessons that I learned as a kid watching, uh, Jason Scott and Tommy Oliver teach us about how to lead a team. Those lessons still live within me today. And I firmly believe that's why I kind of grew up the way I did, that I became the person I am. So as you know, this podcast, a lot of it's about storytelling and just like creativity in general, a lot of nerd things, however you feel about it. That's what I'm really all about. That's my passion, you know, but I also realize that you know, teamwork is something else and leadership is something else that I've always been talented and passionate about. So as I've been thinking and looking around lately, what I've come to notice is where I'm at today is fine as far as like myself and and my career and stuff. But, you know, thinking about my personal growth, I go, well, where do you want to be in 10 years? What do you want to be doing in 10 years? And what I'm looking at is this cross section of like teamwork and leadership and storytelling like it's not working for where I'm at now and so with that I've decided to take a pretty strong interest in doing a anthology so this I think this will give me like the opportunity to test the water and see if editing and and publishing and something like that is really what I want to do at the same time it lets me stretch my legs and get back into something more along the lines of like project management and it gives me the opportunity to work on storytelling and and the things that I'm passionate about if I can bring a team together and I can put a book together and I can sell a book then the the options for my future are endless because I really do think that that's kind of the thing I want to do, you know, want to move toward. That's something I think I can see myself doing in 10 years is being an editor publisher, probably like an indie editor publisher, working on my, on my own projects, putting teams together, making books and making money at something that we're all passionate about, telling stories and getting a story out there. So what I'm asking of everybody is if you know any writers or artists that are looking to get started and get their work out there, put them in contact with me. If you know somebody who's just interested in working on a project like this in some way, put them in contact with me. I'm interested in talking to anyone and everyone that's interested right now because this is something that I really want to do. This is something I'm really passionate about. I want to help promote others and get their stories out there at the same time I want the experience of editing and publishing a book and putting together something like this and managing a project so this is a lot of personal growth for me it's an opportunity to do something that I love and I'm passionate about and I think it's an opportunity to help others get where they're going as well so 
I don't have an actual theme yet. I do have some ideas. I've been throwing some things around, but I really need to sit down and talk to some, some creators and see what kind of stories I'll be able to get anyway, because you know, I want to make this line up in a great way. I want to tell some great stories at the same time. I want this to be a product that people will enjoy and that they will want to purchase because it has a tight theme. It has great visual representation. And so that's what I'm looking for right now is help me find people that are, you know, in this wheelhouse that are looking to get started to break into the sequential art world to work on storytelling and all that great stuff. So please, if you hear this, if you listen to this, get the, get the word out there, help me promote. And hopefully through the help of others, I'll be able to find the team I'm looking for and pull off something amazing that everybody will want to get their hands on. So that's it for this week, episode five, all about teamwork and um, how Power Rangers influenced me so thanks for listening, and check it out next week, episode 6. See ya.